0: Welcome to Employing Differences, a conversation about exploring the collaborative space between individuals.
1: I'm Paul Tevis.
0: And I'm Karen Gimnig.
1: Each episode we start with a question and we see where it takes us. This week's question is, are our power dynamics serving us?
0: So last week in episode 105, we talked about power gradients and ways to think about Whether you had power differentials, whether you had hierarchy and how steep that power gradient was how how much difference there was between the power that one person had and the power that another person had. Um, And we want to pick up that conversation this week by talking about how do we think about Okay, so we figured out, we have some power gradient. The next question is, is it serving us, is it a thing we want, is it a thing that works for us. And how do we determine that? How can we figure out whether this particular power differential is one that's useful to us? And and I wanna be clear that there may be an overall power differential that we're talking about. It also may be within some microcosm within our organization or within some moment or within some decision that those power dynamics will shift and change. So this could be a moment to moment or a circumstance to circumstance kind of skill. But ultimately, it's the same question, which is, we know we're going to have power differential. We know we're going to have power dynamics. And once we've figured out what they are, which was last episode, how do we go about answering the question, are they good for us? Are they serving us? Are they achieving what we're looking for?
1: I think an important part of that is recognizing that whatever that arrangement and that distribution of power is, in and of itself, that is neither good nor bad, right? Positional power and authority and and things like that are, are, in my view, they're morally neutral. How they get used on the other hand is a a separate issue. And what we're really looking at for here is, uh, for me, what I tend to do in any particular situation, group, things like that, I go, okay, if this is how power is currently distributed, How well is that helping us to achieve our aims and our purposes? Is it arranged in a way that is useful for us? Uh, Or is it arranged in a way that is actually hindering us? One of the things we've talked about before is that sort of in any group, um, like there's purpose, there's vision, there's reason why we're working together, that we're coming together to do something. And I think once we start to get a sense of what the, the power dynamics and the power distribution is, we can start to ask is that actually aligned with what it is that we're trying to achieve both externally how we you know what's the impact we want to have what's the results we want to create and internally how do we want to be together what's the the relational space we want to have between us because power dynamics have an impact on both
0: yeah and and i think that power dynamics come from both as well right we we get their structural power somebody has a role somebody has an assigned job that that we all understand and you know and even in communities that want to be very egalitarian you typically have a very small number of people for example who can sign checks on behalf of the community and that works for us that is a power differential right they have the power to sign checks and everybody else doesn't it's not equal power but in fact it works very well because you don't want to have a system where 40 people have to all sign the check, <laughs> right? So we like mm-hmm. that power differential in that sense in that sense of the word. Um, the more interesting power and and frankly, the the more influential power I think is, is what I would call the relational power, mm-hmm. the ability to influence, the ability to convince other people to do the thing you want them to do. Um, and that I think can be, hugely interesting in organizations of all kinds um, to look at if there are differences in how much people are listened to, are they serving us?
1: Mm-hmm. And I think there, there are some things that, um, there are ideas that are generalizable, things we actually know. Like one of the things we know is that if we're trying to create a space where we're generating new ideas, right, where we're trying to be innovative, where we're trying to solve problems that that are ill-defined, that we don't really understand the edges of, um, we actually know that uh, good ideas can come from anywhere, and that groups do have a tendency to underuse uh, people's knowledge and experience. Um, and, and and so that's a case where I think it's useful to look at, hey, when we're trying to figure out ideas for action and things that we might be doing, when we're in that generating, expanding, diverging phase, we actually want to have really flat uh, power differentials. right? We really want to hear from everybody. We want everyone to be able to influence each other um, because that actually leads to better results. There, there's actually a lot sort of in there. Uh, in the research and in, in people, and I think in our experience about that, mm-hmm. um, uh, that the flatter the power dynamics when we're generating ideas and figuring out what options are, and when we're exploring, we're in that space of curiosity, um, then having uh, having very flat power differentials is really useful. On the other hand, when we're actually trying to make decisions, that same completely flat, anybody, you know, we have to get everybody to sign on to absolutely everything can slow us down. And um, particularly if we're trying to make good enough decisions quickly, we actually want to change that. We want to have a different arrangement to it. Um, I've been working with some clients recently where they actually have a very unclear decision process around things, and so but they value um, the, the, the idea that anybody can participate and they sort of want to get everybody on board. And so in some ways they have an extremely flat uh, decision-making uh, power dynamic, but as a result, they, they have super they have great difficulty actually making a decision because mm-hmm. there isn't someone who can make the call or there aren't three people who could say, great, we're going to sen- go synthesize this information and come back. Um, and so as a result, the, the deciding part uh, would benefit from a little bit more. And so those are actually kind of two situations where uh, it can be useful to think about, you know, how are the poss- What's the possible arrangement of those dynamics, and do they service in those situations? And not all decisions need to be made quickly, right? When there are things that that need to be quite deliberative, we actually probably want a flatter uh, um, hierarchy there. We want a flatter decision-making power, um, and so not all decisions are created equal. So I think it's it's useful to think about what are the constraints, what are the outcomes we're trying to create in these. And then how does power play into that process?
0: I think another thing to think about is how much the ability of individual group members or the knowledge or the skills is equal and how relevant Mm -hmm. that is to the thing you're trying to do. So, I mean, an extreme case and one that we may have other concerns about, but an extreme case would be like a, a religious cult. If the objective of being together is to be more and more like a leader that we have identified that we all like and respect and want, like the reason you join the group is because you want to be more like that person. Well, probably you don't want a flat power dynamic. You don't want that other person who joined next to me that I actually didn't know very well to have the same influence over the space as the leader that I joined to be influenced by, right? If that was the goal similarly in a classroom. If if everybody signed up to come and learn things from a teacher, you probably want that teacher running the classroom. You probably don't want everybody else who signed up having equal say in what happens in the classroom. Um, On the other hand, learning gets turned on when we're participatory and when we feel safe and when we have influence. And so there's some balancing act there, but there are any number of circumstances in which the person who knows the most ought to have the most influence and in fact our goals are best met when influence is very different very disproportionate between who's in the room um and usually you see that within the structure of the role but not necessarily you can absolutely be in a circumstance where theoretically we all have equal decision-making power but it turns out one of us has done this 10 times before and and nine of us are brand new to it and you want a very unequal power differential. You want that one person who knows more to be speaking more than anybody else, and so on.
1: Yeah, and I think that that differential around the difference in knowledge uh, can be tricky to navigate uh, because I've absolutely, I and I see this a bunch in uh, in software development teams that I work with, right, where there are people who are new to the team, you know, who are very junior, uh, and they often hold back. In discussions because they don't think that they have anything to contribute. And it is true that there are people who are, you know, who are involved in those discussions who are very knowledgeable and have a lot of experience, but aren't working on this particular thing. And so I think this is one of those places where that discounting of knowledge uh, can be problematic, right? I think that, it, so to go to, to your specific situation, I think it's or the, the specific example there, I think it can be really useful for um, for us to have, when we're exploring what's happening, um, you kind of want to give preference to the people who have the most experience with what is actually occurring right now, right? The people who are who are actually in the happening, because that knowledge is actually the most relevant thing. There may be other people who have knowledge with that type of thing, Right, they have expertise, but they're not. Their expertise is not in the current situation. Their experience is with other situations. I think it can be really useful to then um, sort of defer to that knowledge and around useful questions to be asking, or or things that you might try. But then it goes back to who, if we think about uh, how the decision-making power is distributed, right? Does does the person who has that expert knowledge, but is not involved in the situation, get to decide? Do the people who are going to have to live with the consequences of the decision have to think this is a thing that shows up actually a lot of my consulting work where I actually, one of the things I very specifically tell people is I'm not going to tell you who you should fire because you have to live with the consequences of any of your staffing decisions. I'm an external consultant. I might see a lot and know a lot, but you know way more about your situation and you have to live with the results. And so I think the factors that we have to use in when when we're waiting, how the power dynamics would be useful for us and who we should defer to and things like that can be way more complicated than it appears on first glance.
0: I think that's reliably the case. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> that the power dynamics are way more complicated, you know, because we want to point to the one thing, you mm-hmm. know, that that there's this one power dynamic in the room. And in fact, power comes from all kinds of places. We mm-hmm. we tend to know that power can come from speaking a lot. Power can also be exercised by being silent.
1: Mm-hmm. And,
0: and so there, there's just a lot of nuance to what's going on. And I, I think what we'd like to have is an awful lot of relational influence. So in the Mm -hmm. example you were talking about where there is this outside expert, what we like is that the relationship is is solid enough Mm -hmm. that they come in and they give their opinion and their knowledge and they share it and they make their recommendation and then it's not because they have an overt structural power to say you have to do it my way because mm-hmm. then you're not going to get the buy-in as you say and the people who have to live with it aren't bought into the decision but we might ideally be in a situation where the people hearing it are influenced
1: mm-hmm. meaning
0: they go oh that actually was a thing i hadn't thought about or that makes sense or that makes sense but i think paul isn't seeing this thing and so having really listened to that, we're still gonna go a different way for whatever the reasons are. We're gonna ask them another question or you, we're gonna work in that space, but that the power that the outsider or that the you know non-worker or non-involved person has in that situation is very much based on their relationships with those people. And mm-hmm. so we're getting a, a tangling here of power dynamics and relationships and trust and a sense of mm-hmm. safety and, and of course those things all interrelate all the time every day mm-hmm. but well, I think you want to be tracking all of it.
1: Yeah and I think if you if we back up just a little bit which maybe it would have been useful to do a few minutes ago but we're here now um, like if we think about power right power in in the physics world right power is the ability to get things done right it's the ability to accomplish work and as you point out, there are lots of different ways that there are different sources of power and different types of power, right? There's there's positional power that comes that's invested in us by a position uh, by the office that we hold in an organization. There is um, that sort of expert authority-based power which people grant to us because of the knowledge they perceive we have. There is the relational power, the ability to sort of influence each other that comes from um, from the relationship we have and our ability to actually relate to other people. There's, there's a lot of different things out there about these different um, these different types of power. And to come back around to the question of are our power dynamics serving us? I think we have to become aware of how those are being used. Are we always relying on one particular type? Because um, if it, that's generally an indication that they're not serving us, right? If, if we're always using one hammer, that probably means that they're not serving us, um, that we're not fluidly sort of moving between those where it makes sense, right? When we're having that sort of exploring conversation, that is much more about the the relational, the like, can I understand your perspective? Am I allowing you to have the power to influence me? Uh, Even if I have the positional authority, for example, if I'm in a decision-making role, Right. And so looking at that power dynamic, right, it may not be that it may be that in our organization, I cannot give up the positional power that says I am the one that has to make the decision. Right. I'm, I'm going to be held accountable for this decision. Like, I can't give that up. I have to hold on to it. But what I can do is I can say I can ask whether or not me not being able to be influenced by you is useful mm-hmm. and probably go oh, that doesn't seem very good because you're gonna to have to live with the result of the decision that I have to make. And I wanna to continue to work together effectively with you. So if I notice that the default is I'm just always making these decisions by myself and informing you of them later, that's a dynamic that probably isn't working, right? We're probably building up resentment. We're probably not getting the results that we want. So with vote, that external piece of the external results we want aren't happening and the internal results, the way we wanna to be together isn't working. So that's a. I, I think that's really coming, looking at how the different types of power exist within that system and what effect are they having on those two things? Because I think that really helps us to, to answer that question of, of, are they serving us?
0: I think some of what you're pointing to is that one of the ways that we figure out if they're serving us is to figure out where they're coming from. Mm. and and it'll also help us figure out what we're going to talk about next, which is then what do we do about it if it's not serving us? And that's another episode. But if we can pause and think about we've got a power gradient. So that was the last episode. We figured out we've got one. Where is it coming from?
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: you know, in this day and age, I think most of us could figure out pretty quickly that if we have a power gradient that's coming from sexism or racism or other um, other kinds of discrimination, discriminatory kinds of biases, we're pretty clear those are not serving us. And, you know, but, but that doesn't mean they aren't there. Mm-hmm. Like if We're not willing to look for and ask the question, could it be coming from here? We're not gonna see it. And then we don't know to change it or can't decide that we wanna change it. On the other hand, what if it's coming from different speaking um, modalities? You know, what if the people who speak the most and are most comfortable speaking out in a group are, are having the most power? Is that serving us? Might be, might not be, and will really depend on the situation. And so, getting to, or, or is it coming from just different abilities, which we said often is, or is it coming from roles and structures, which maybe we can change, maybe we can't. But if we can't, then and they're not serving us, what do we do about that? But knowing where they're coming from, I think, is one of the clues about are they serving us, um, just as a way to think about it.
1: Yeah, and then when we get to that idea of we notice that they're not, then we can start to do something about that, which we're going to get into in a future episode, but just to kind of track where we've been here today. Right, we said, look, in any group, there are always going to be power differences and power dynamics, and the fact that those exist is neither good nor bad. It simply is. But what we do want to get curious about is where do those come from? And what are we using them for? And are we using them in ways that actually help the group to achieve its aims externally? And are they are we actually using them in a way that allows the group to continue to work t- together in the long term, or that for that that creates the type of relational space that the group either explicitly has said they wanted um, or uh, implicitly sort of wants, right? Are we creating the the atmosphere and the culture that we want to have together to allow us to keep, keep working together? So really looking at um, how we are get, trying to get things done. What are the tools uh, at our disposal that we're using? Uh, whether that be positional, whether or not that be maybe expert authority, whether that may be relational, um, how we are both influencing and being influenced by each other and looking at whether or not that is creating the results that we want both internally and externally. Um, So that if we notice that there is not a match there, we could maybe start to do something about that.
0: And that's going to do it for us today. Until next time, I'm Karen Gimnig.
1: And I'm Paul Tevis. And this has been Employing Differences.